Hey everybody, this is Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. episode 99 before we get started i'm gonna go ahead and shoot through our social media preamble uh you can find us on all the major social media sites you know which ones they are just by searching the name of the podcast you can track our comings and goings of the podcast most importantly i would like people to join in on our uh, on our twitch channel which is twitch tv two smoke controllers forward slash forward slash two smoke controllers uh, that's the majority of the time where we play with our podcast editor and cousin brian we do that's also where we do our co-op endeavors where lockstock and two smoke controllers presents lockstock and three smoke controllers co-op endeavors full title is always mucho important but just to me and that's where you know you just hang out with us you know come by and say hello we tend to do it most Tuesdays or Wednesdays, depending on how everyone's schedule lines up, but it tends to be on one of those two days. Lastly, we have a store and a and a Patreon, and basically, you know, both of those things are just to help finance and keep the thing alive. Our store, we have a everything. We got beanies, koozies, a glorious pair of underwear. Please check those out. And the Patreon is really just to pay uh, Miladin Markovich and to keep his art up. All this is in the show notes. If you don't follow, type any of this up, we have all the links in the show notes. With that said, we're going to be diving into two games today mm-hmm. and two games of a franchise that we're not exactly the biggest fans of, but we'll get into that as we get into it. So our first game we're going to be tackling is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Now that originally came out November 15th, 2019 on Windows, PS4, Xbox One. And then about a year later, it hit Stadia. And then just a little bit after that, like six months later, it was upgraded for the PS5 and the Series X. X and S. And it is developed by Respawn Entertainment. Now, they have a pretty cool history which I will uh, get to here shortly. I want to talk about them and then talk about where they they came from. Respawn Entertainment was founded in 2010. They're based out of Sherman Oaks, California, and they have 315 employees out of three locations. They're basically worldwide. They have, uh, well, a lot of the people are remote, but their main three office buildings are in, like I said, Sherman Oaks, California, 
Vancouver, Canada, and then in, oddly enough, Wisconsin. But they have people from all over the world that remote in and like that. Those who don't know, their debut game was Titanfall. Titanfall was, a, I think the first Titanfall was strictly an arena shooter. It was like a, just a okay. co-op. Online only. Online it wasn't only. co-op necessarily, but online only. And then they would go on to, I think they debuted in 2014. Since then, they have made uh, seven games. They have three upcoming. They're working on three other upcoming things, which is pretty cool. Now, their Titanfall's probably their biggest, I guess, independent IP, which you have Titanfall 1, Titanfall 2, and then you have a mobile-only version, which is Titanfall Assault. Well, no, scratch that. I think their biggest thing might be Apex Legends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they it's definitely... not part of Titanfall. I know, but that's their well, biggest... Well, it is technically kind of part of Titanfall. Because it kind of came from it or something, isn't it? I guess. I never played it. What do you call it? Battle Royale. Battle Royale, Yes, yeah. Battle Royale. Never touch it. And, of course, like I said, the, the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. We have Jedi Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor, and they've already announced uh, a third one. Untitled, but a third one. And they are responsible for uh, one other cool game called Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. I say cool because there is a... A series of cutscenes that a, a, a series of cutscenes that was later cut together as a as a single short film and put in like Sundance and a couple other film festivals called Colette, and it was actually directed by a gentleman named uh, Anthony Gauchino, and they actually would go on to win a bunch of awards for that short film and all these like uh, fest festivals and whatnot, which I think was I haven't seen it, but I think it's pretty cool that what was made for cutscenes for a video game, they cut them together with a little extra to make a more coherent piece and then was able to get awarded for short films and whatnot. I never heard of that game, though. Is it even a game? Medal of Honor Above and Beyond? Mm-hmm. never heard of it. Sorry. Now, the cool thing with them, is, like I said earlier, they have a kind of a jaded history, is that the co-founders, a Mr. Jason West and a Mr. Vance Zappella, were the original co-founders of Infinity War. You want to talk about them some, Drew? I don't, I don't know their whole life. I just know they left because of Activision. That's the that's the main thing. They're the, pretty much the, the guys who made Call of Duty popular, made Activision millions and billions, millions of dollars, and then left to do the poor treatment. Really poor treatment. Let me pull that up. That's how big companies like Activision treat you. You make the millions of dollars, they treat you like garbage. Yeah. And keep your company name and pretend like it, it's still y'all making the games. Yeah. So just, I'm going to do a kind of a brief history on Infinity Ward 2, just so you kind of know where they came from. Infinity Ward was founded in 2002 as a subsidiary of Activision. And then around 2008, they put out Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which was mind-blowing. It, like, mm -hmm. revolutionized the military shooter genre as a whole. Mm -hmm. And the two fellers used the success to renegotiate contracts for themselves and the entire company about, you know, being able to keep their IPs to themselves and get bonuses for hitting certain key marks and all this stuff. And Activision was like, yeah, we agree to everything. No problem. But if either of you guys quit or are fired, everything reverts back to us. Is that fair? And they're like, yeah, we don't plan on leaving. We love our guys. We love our company. And you guys have been treating us really well. A year later things started to get a little rocky. They started making demands that were impossible to meet. They started uh, basically going inside and telling, oh, you need the, we need these guys to come work on this game. We need these guys to work on this game. So their initial crew of 46 was cut down by half 
but they were still working at Activision, but they were demanding them meet certain criteria that it's physically impossible to meet. And then by March 2010, they had started, what was it? Okay, by 2010, March, is when everything came together and the two were fired, Jason West and Vince Zappala. They would later go on to sue in April, like less than a month later, they would sue them and giving given all the criteria that they were given, like they would go to us, literally they would send us like on purpose angry emails and then they would like try to get a rise out of us in, at every situation to the point they would send emails saying that, oh, because you didn't meet the criteria, uh, we're going to, you're not getting any bonuses and you have to fire one of your members. We don't care which one, but one of your people have to go. We don't have any budget for you. Yeah, and they would just—I mean, it's dirty corporate. Just the stuff Activision's known for. Activision and EA—it's literally the stuff they're known for. And they think they're clever about it, but it's exactly what they're known for. This and is, nobody ever does anything about it. Yeah, and so basically, and they ended up like winning against like defamation and stuff like that. But I think Activision still got to keep all the rights because they were fired. But everything else that was said about them, that they, they owe money and this, that, and the other, was all kind of filed out of court. Activision didn't care. All they wanted was the Call of Duty name. Oh, yeah. All they wanted. It's all their people are fighting for now is the Call of Duty name. Yeah. They uh, said they were eventually released. And then by... That was, that was in April. April 2010. And then by July 10th... Uh, yeah, July 10th, 2010. So like a year and a half later, a little less. They had gotten into talks with EA. It's the over Activision. We got in talks with EA. And they agreed to their conditions that all the IP would be yours. Anything original IP would be yours and all this other stuff. But anything that is like, you know, ours that you work on is ours. And anything that we work from an outside source, like Star Wars example, mm-hmm. is us to ours to share in profits and whatnot and so on. And they, they agreed to that so that they could have their stuff. And that was by July, July 10th. By June, wait, July, August, sorry, I went backwards. July, by August... They had uh, 38 of their original 46 members of Infinity Ward left out. Within the month, they said, hey guys, we're back up and running. We have these guys, and we got this. And they go, oh, really? And we'll have a job when we come? Mm-hmm. That was part of our condition was to allow us to hire our original team first, give them first dibs. And they go, okay. So 38 of their 46 teams of Infinity Ward said, nah, we quit just walked out the door in solidarity, which I think is really awesome and goes to show how amazing of bosses those two those two dudes probably were. Because you don't get that sort of loyalty for being a D-bag. No. You don't. No, not at all. And I just think that that... I, mean, I just think that whole thing is really cool. Yeah, that's how people don't think... Don't think about the... If you see a Call of Duty with Infinity Wars name on it, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. No. Not even in the ballpark. It stopped It hasn't meaning. been it 10 years ago, you know? At most, I think Modern Warfare 2 was the last one they were. If, if they even dabbled in it. But even then, that was... They went Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. Anything else, Call of Duty in between, was done by like Sledgehammer or Jackhammer or something like that. Sledgehammer and there was another one. Yeah. I forget the other one's name, but... So it was all a bunch of bull honky. I just think... I, I just thought it was really cool. And definitely worth worth noting. Yeah. Pretty soon, as soon as they land on some, as soon as they land on a gold mine for EA, EA will burn them too. Like Apex. What, yeah. Well, I don't know if Apex was. I don't know if they own Apex or not. But even surprised EA didn't dismantle the company to keep Apex. Mm-hmm. EA's known for destroying companies too. So it's their mo. Maybe they've gotten better. I don't know. But they, EA and Activision are the worst. Yeah. 
when it comes to stuff like that. But we'll as, see if Microsoft can clean up Activision at all, try to put any goodness back in their name. But as far as I can read, they've they haven't had any any bad stuff. I do know that um, with they said with Activision's help respawn. What was it? 2010. They were you know kind of left alone as an independent studio with startup money from EA. But EA definitely planned once they hit any sort of monetary value in 2017, they did buy them for 151 million dollars. So I mean, and the acquisition was completed December 2017. So that's and then 2019 is when they debuted Apex. So they must have had plans like we'll buy you and help you find this game or something. Who knows? But as far as I can tell, they haven't had any sort of like bad press with with yeah, them. I know. Right? It's good so far, but you make you make the smallest mistake with EA and they dissolve you. This is if if uh, Respawn hasn't made a mistake yet, which is good because they're good developers, mm-hmm. you know, pretty famous developers. Uh, those, those two those two leads, uh, but you make one mistake and EA completely dissolves your company without oh. with, without a second thought. Yeah. Just wait for that. Like like if Star Wars three doesn't sell, oh, Respawn's yeah. done for. Um, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm slightly worried because I'll get to I'll go ahead and do this now. Is the the game director a gentleman named how do I pronounce that last name? It, his name is Stig Asmussen. Asmussen, and he's pretty cool because he uh, he directed God of War three, which is like his big. He he wrote and produced and worked on all the God of War series, and then he would go on to direct God of War three, and then he you know he's like okay we we finished the story, I'm leaving. I'm gonna go do some other stuff, and he kind of palled around uh, he was an uh what do you call it a cgi or vfx artist for god of war one two three chains of olympus as well as ascension like he he so he so he did work on ascension and i guess they thought the franchise was done because he hadn't didn't have anything to do with these uh remakes yeah, the reboot kind reboot sort of sequel reboots <laughs> so the reason i bring that up is in september the uh this year so not even too long ago. September this year. Yeah, September this year. So we're in October now, so just last month. Yeah. Just last month. Keep track of the months. Yeah. Uh he it was announced that he would be leaving Respawn. Not he just says he wanted to pursue other creative endeavors. I guess they were just trying maybe EA or they were trying to pigeonhole him into doing go ahead and directing the third one. He was like, I'm kinda Star Wars out. I want to go do some other stuff. But it says that he was he he was actually he left the company. So, so he directed one and one and two. Yeah, and was like, I'm I'm good, guys. I'm gonna go do something else. Yeah, you think that were two of the same game? Basically, you'd be kind of spent. Well, because they are they are working on. We have the third Jedi Fallen whatever Survivor game. They are working on an original FPS title as well as an original strategy game. So they got three more Star Wars games coming out, and who knows? They would probably probably make him do all three. Yeah, original? You think are they original? or Are they all three Star Wars? I mean, we know one of them Star. Well, Wars. it says specifically an original Star Wars FPS and an original Star Wars strategy. Respawn will be the freaking Star Wars company. Could, yeah, which is sad, but maybe they can do original. Maybe they'll let them do some stuff. That that Fallen Order is is them doing some stuff. Yeah, and it's <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> like a generic Star Wars FPS. Using the uh, using the what Battlefield's Frostbite engine, mm-hmm. <laughs> make yeah. it look at Battlefield, but with Star Wars. So we we'll, already have Battlefront, so I don't know. So we'll see what what happens here. Like I'm going to be talking. Uh, I didn't preface this, but I'm going to be talking a lot 
on this because Drew didn't touch this at all. No. This so is, this was Blake told Blake to play it. If it's worth playing, tell me. And at no point during Blake's playthrough did he uh, sell me at any point on, on Fallen Order. No. It's just another generic Star Wars story mm-hmm. that I have could, could not be less interested in. And it's, it is generic. I yeah. mean, we say what you will about it. It's, oh no, another new Jedi who didn't die during Order 66. They're just spitting these guys out left and right. And now he gets it in his head five years later, because that's what it takes place five years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. So five years later, you know, he's like, hmm, I'm going to bring the Jedi Order back together. What they've been trying to do for 30 years of movies and TV shows and everything else. And failing miserably every single time. Because here's the kicker. Jedi or garbage? Jedi do suck. Jedi are such garbage heroes. Uh, I don't know what TV shows and movies y'all guys are watching, but uh, watch it all again and look at how terrible Jedi are. That's the main thing we can't stand about Star Wars is that Jedi are absolute hot garbage. Every single one of them. And I I keep giving them chances because I'm like, there's got to be something. Because at the the end of the day, I I like the concept of the Star Wars and the Jedi, but I don't think I've liked many of the executions. They're all terrible. The only thing that means is that we're not really a Star Wars fan. We watch it all because we're nerds and we're supposed to, I guess. The only thing Star Wars we ever liked was Mandalorian, and the, the parts of Mandalorian I liked the least were the parts that had Jedi in them. True. It was like... The two, my two, <laughs> the two, like, I, I still like, uh, was it Revenge of the Sith? That's just about a, a great for the eyes, just a, all the cool stuff that anything goes on. But as far as like some of the better stories and just general enjoyment would be Mandalorian and probably Solo, a yep. Star Wars story. And they, so, yeah. Solo and everybody hates Solo, probably because there's not a single freaking Jedi in it. <laughs> yeah, freaking Jedi. <laughs> uh, I just. Yeah. Because yeah. we watched a lot of the shows, and the second any Jedi gets their lightsaber knocked out of their hand, they become little babies who scramble and scramble and scramble. And we have to get my lightsaber. I have to get my lightsaber. I'm useless without it. But the lightsabers aren't even that unique. You don't have to be someone who's Force-sensitive to wield a lightsaber. You just got to have a finger and can turn it on. So anybody can use a lightsaber. They're just, I guess their construction is hidden. So many storylines wrapped around lightsabers. Well, and I said, we have something else lined up later. Yeah. (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But before I completely poo all over the story and everything here, that's, again, by no means original. It is, I, I can see why people were like, oh my God, this thing's amazing. People just want anything that's not trash. And the bar for Star Wars is so low yeah. that the game is playable and not terrible. People think it's great. That's 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 how that's a lot of the stuff in the world. I'm gonna be like a little a little whiny moment that like if anything is okay, the world loses their mind about it. The bar for quality stuff is so low in the world today that this the game is playable. The game doesn't glitch. It's got decent voice acting and tells a story. It doesn't matter. It's a story you've heard a thousand times. Everything works. The game's incredible to everybody's standards. When it's really, as far as I gather from Blake, hey, an incredibly mediocre experience. Yeah, honestly. like The game looked gorgeous. Uh, combat itself was fluid. Exploration was pretty good for the most part. I did... Now, I got a streamlined version because I did use uh, 1K. I did use TA 
uh, and they had a guide for me to follow, so I was able to get through pretty quick. Uh, I one K'd the entire game in 29 and a half hours. So the guy, the guy lets you avoid the uh, the one thing everybody hates about this game. Yeah, the, there's supposedly a, the most horrendous map in gaming. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't seen the map, but people say it's that's the only thing I ever heard is like how no. How in the hell do you use this map in Fallen Order? Now, I agree with them, sort of, but having like spent time with the map, it's not great. But what it it, it also has multiple tiers or something, or layers, tiers, layers. yeah, up, down, and you can, exp- you know, it's very tiered. But sometimes mm-hmm. it'll tell you, oh, go here. And it's like, it's icons like in a spot. You're like, there's no map there. How do I get there? That's because you have to tab up and tab down in the map and it's telling you that it's above or below you it's just telling you it's in that spot on every floor of the map you just have to kind of you know hit up and down on the d-pad to find it you're like oh it's here but then you're like all right how do i get there mm-hmm. like you when i was times i had to use the map i was able to figure it out but half the time i ran in the wrong direction but like what am i doing here and i like look at the map be like oh, okay i and i have to like backtrack to like where i took the wrong turn because the map was broken like I got through it, but with the the TA guide, I was I was able to streamline a bunch of stuff and not yeah, have to worry. Maybe about it. the first time the developers respawn, or you know, these guys, if any more guys, they never had to make a game that needed a map before. Not a map like this in depth. Yeah, because they've only played these shooters, and because most of the time it's like you know, get even, behind these trenches. Even or, Titanfall Two, it had a full campaign. It was still you just kind of go forward. Yeah. Honestly, there's very few open areas, and the ones that weren't like were you didn't you didn't need a map for were a path, you yeah. know, path through the canyon. So that's their first attempt at a map that maybe didn't go over great. I, I, I haven't heard anything about the about the Jedi Survivor map. So maybe maybe they improved upon it. We'll see. Oh, first and foremost, I will say this: the the map is given to you by like all Star Wars. You have to have your droid companion always. I guess they're funny. He can he can be his name's uh, he doesn't even talk he's the R two D two he just beep beeps at you mm-hmm. his name is BD one and he's a fine droid he he did everything he was supposed to he's very versatile he had a lot of tools and as you progress through the game he would get upgrades and stuff because the game is a met a Metroidvania for sure because as you go through you don't have all your because like I said earlier, your character isn't a Jedi Master. He is a Padawan who was uh, assaulted with his master, Jero Tapal, uh, five you know five years ago with the Order sixty six. And so as you go through, there are key moments where he just has a blinding realization and a flashback to a training that he had blocked out of his memory. I mean, admittedly. It makes sense. He was on a space station, and everyone in the space station turned and decided to kill him and his master. It's a PTSD thing that he probably tried to block out. It's traumatic. So I can get kind of, but... Was it repeated sequences of him walking into something he can't do and then having a sudden realization that he can do it? Sometimes, or it'd be after a story. It it would get to a story point, and then he'd have the realization with the story point and then come back. It wasn't just like, oh no, there's this wall I can't jump. Da, 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 da. I can remember how to wall run, and it, which it kind of would do that, but in the story. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't just be running around. So it made more sense to the story. And now, all the acting was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the character you play as is Cal Kestis, played by one Cameron Monahan, and he's a perfectly fine actor. Uh, he has some big things to his um his repertoire. Uh, first being, uh, I think everyone will know him as Ian Gallagher from Shameless. 
He did 127 episodes of that over uh, 11 years. It's a lot. It's a lot. Now, after that, he was in, before or during that, he was in Gotham. I forget the amount of episodes, but he was in that show Gotham playing a set of twins, Jerome and Jeremiah Valencia Valles, where they would go on to be, one of them would go, actually, I think both would be different versions of the Joker. Never watched that show. Me either, but people... People praised his performance. performance left and right. And yeah. he's he's a fine actor. I have nothing wrong with him. And then you have... You, you get a small crew that you're with most of the game. And I'm just going to name off like three of them. You get Cameron Monaghan as Cal Kestis. And then you would go on to get Deborah Wilson, who plays Sierra Junda. And she's primarily a voice actor. But she's done a whole bunch of stuff that, honestly, I haven't watched. But I recognized her face and her voice. But the thing that I recognized her face and voice from mostly was from the recent iterations of Wolfenstein. Where she played a a character named uh, Grace Walker. Yeah, I was trying to wait and see if you had any recollection of that. I don't remember none of the characters' names. I remember Blitzkin, Blitzkin, the main character of Wolfenstein. J.B. J.B. Blitzkin. I remember... But Blaskowitz, Blaskowitz, Blaskowitz. There you go, Blaskowitz, Blaskowitz. She the uh, resistance leader or something in like uh-huh. the, the second one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she married that really loud nerd. I do kind of remember her. Yeah, she was. She, so this, the, so you're saying their faces. This this game does use their actual. Yeah, faces. It uses mocap and everything Which, for most of them. For anyone who has like a name, really. Yeah, it'd be weird to not use everybody everybody's faces. I guess. Yeah. Well, some of them, like I said, are aliens, and so they have yeah. to use the approximation. And like, this next dude, Daniel Roebuck plays Grease Drudis, Dridus, and he's actually an alien species that they created for the the game. He didn't. He hasn't. His species hadn't existed until now. Hmm. And he is your pilot. He drives your your hub ship called the Mantis. And the the actor himself, he's he's a busy man. Because looking at his IMDb, Homeboy's got twenty six upcoming things, movies and TV shows, mm. small roles and big roles. But he's got a couple of things, two really huge things that I think would definitely be worth worth noting. Is he has been in every single Rob Zombie project, awesome, all of them, every single one of them, even the the animated El Superbisto. He did some voice work in that. If Rob Zombie's made a movie. He's been in it. So that's, you know, he's a pretty cool. And one of the f- Funner things, more fun things that people might kind of recognize. Like funner in a word. I know more fun things was okay. And this might take some people back, but in Lost, he plays a, a pivotal character for several episodes as Doctor Leslie Arntz. And there's a part. Oh, they blow him up. Oh uh, yeah. Spoilers: He gets in Lost. They get blown up. Blown up real bad. And you got some Arntz on you. Yep, that's the line yeah. I had wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor gets blown up by that dynamite in that one scene. They're being real careful. It's it's pretty it's pretty surprising when it goes off. It's so jarring. I mean, it's really tense, and then it blows him up, and he's splattered all over the place. And... Yeah, he gets about I think eight or ten episodes of that. He got some arts on you. <laughs> and when he's not doing you know those two big things in like his other movies and TV shows, his countless movies and TV shows he's been in, he's usually one of three things. It's it's kind of funny. Uh, he's a cop, a politician, or a crime boss. He, he, he just has this kind of like every man look about him. He's like slightly older with the comb back parted, you know, blonde silver hair and slightly heavy set. He's, he's a big dude, though. He is really tall. So it might be the imposing stature to be any of those things. He was fine. And then you have this other character 
who is Eno Cordoza, and he's kind of the linchpin. You find out very early on that BD-1 used to be his droid. And so he, as you're going through, BD had his memory purposely blocked or wiped by this guy. And so as you go through doing certain things, it allows BD's memory to come back and you get to see more cutscenes with him and so on and so forth. And he's played by Tony Amendola. Fantastic actor. Uh, two of his bigger things are he had a pretty large role in like Dexter. Uh, Dexter season one, to be more specific, is he's the guy who murders Dexter's mother and chops her into pieces and leaves him in the... He's the, the crime boss who killed Dexter's mom. And he has several, like, flashbacks and, like, one... So chopped her up and he used a chainsaw, didn't he? He used a chainsaw and left the two boy or one boy, if you haven't seen Dexter, <laughs> in a uh, shipping container, you know, ankle deep in her blood. It's very violent. Very good show. At least the first two seasons were of the seven or eight they had. But one really cool thing is that horrible individual also would go on to place, like, across the entire series. He gets 26 episodes. He's a reoccurring character. But he plays uh, Braytac in Stargate SG-1. He's only, got, he's only got 26 episodes? Only 26 Sounds episodes. Sounds like he's in all of them. He's in a lot. I think they mention him a bunch, but yeah. Braytac, Braytac is a, a badass, for a lack yeah. of... If you haven't seen Stargate SG-1... Yeah, Braytac's awesome. I really think, like, that show has well over 100 episodes. I can't believe he's only, he's only in... It says it says twenty six episodes is all Gosh. he. Yeah. Seems like he's always in. Every time they need help, it's called Braytech. Yeah, and he whoops it up and down, left and right, and and they use they use his face and everything. As soon as he popped on screen, I was like, oh, Braytech. I was like genuinely excited. That was probably the most excited I got in the game was seeing when him. Braytech showed up to help you in Star Wars. <laughs> That's how awesome Braytech is. Crossing TV shows. And... I mean, he is a Jedi Master, so I mean, he's basically just playing the same role with a lightsaber as opposed to a staff blaster. Yeah. I think he might have been more capable of Braytech than Eno Cordoza, but still. So that's kind of like all your main people that you're seeing constantly. And then there's, you know, some villains you interact with and so on and so forth. Yeah, very black and white, sure. Yeah. Black and white as Star Wars well, always is. They, they actually do some pretty good gray stuff here. Because your character, Sierra Jinda, who's a, she, you find out very quickly, she is a former Jedi. But during the Order 66 and some stuff that came after, she had to use... She had, she tapped into the dark side of the Force to do something that she describes as unforgivable and unimaginable. Um, which you find out what that is as it goes on, and it was pretty messed up for her, anyway. For her and the people involved, like outside sorts, we was like, eh, whatever, we don't care, we weren't we weren't there. But the people, her and the people she was with, it was very impactful. She's way over-dramatic about it. No, because it was... Don't say the obvious, I don't spoil I'm not going to spoil the event, because it is a really cool moment, and then how the story plays out. Uh, but she was so appalled at herself for dipping into the dark side of the Force that she shut herself off from using the Force. Like, she could still feel it, and so on and so forth, but she purposely, like, shut it down. To the point that she doesn't... Like, the most she can do is tell that if, if someone else is Force-sensitive. But she doesn't... She can't use any of the powers anymore or anything like that. And she doesn't even like use a lightsaber or anything. Like She uses her blaster and a series of blasters and like mercenary tools like grapple hooks and stuff for fighting. Because mm -hmm. she doesn't... She refuses to dip back into it. I'm sure she gets back to it. Which is pretty cool. So I've talked about the characters. I'm going to talk about the like, combat and exploration and all this stuff. So they drew heavy influence, they say, uh, from for combat and exploration from specifically from from specifically Metroid Prime and the and Dark Souls. And you can 
having not played Metroid Prime uh, <laughs> at all, watched Drew play it for a little bit, but it just wasn't hitting us that night. We do need to re-put that on Gamefly or something and give yeah. it a... We, we talked. We had, we had, yeah, it was, we had it was on a Gameflip episode of Dad. We talked about it. But, okay, so with that, and then with Dark Souls, their combat is much faster than Dark Souls, but it also at points have... You have to be as strategic. You're standing my bar? Yes. There's always. I've seen people writing not specifically about this game, but is like is a overall in the gaming industry get, getting tired of every game having a standby bar now because of Dark Souls. It's annoying. Like, I, 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 I do miss the. Like, I don't play games for realism. Standby bar is not in there for realism. It's in there because Dark Souls is popular, and they want to make the game challenging. Yeah, now Elden Ring, so that's why it's in there. Yeah. The only reason standby bars come are, are in the zeitgeist right now is because of Dark Souls and. Elden Ring. Oh, they call them different as soon as names. It, as soon as it, you know, Elden Ring falls out of the zeitgeist, standard bars will just dissipate again. As soon as Elden Ring falls out of the zeitgeist, they're going to work on something else. Some put out Bloodborne 2 or, or something, well, and it'll be back in there. There's a big DLC coming for... Oh, it'll re- reignite the hype. Anyway, that's why standard bars exist in games. You got a weird look at games before Dark Souls. They, they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Lots of games after Dark Souls. Especially when they really hit, when Dark Souls Three was really popular and stuff like that. And now Elden Ring, like every game has to have a standby bar now. Not 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 to mention all the Souls likes out there. Mm-hmm. There's not a one of them doesn't doesn't have a standby bar in it or some sort of some like they don't call it a stamina bar. They'll call it something else, but it's it's a stamina bar. And we, we talked about um nope no we hadn't one of our upcoming games. We'll talk about it's it. A Souls like has I think it's an energy bar maybe. Well no, not an energy bar and a stamina bar. Had both, Ugh. but yeah we'll get to it. But like I said, with the Star Wars, Star Wars things, as a Dark Souls thing, the combat was good. But one of the things that annoyed me to <sighs> no good. to no end was you. He still has his lightsaber from when he was a when he was a kid. He still he held on to it. And like I said, the events for this take place five years after Revenge of the Sith. So if you've watched like Obi Wan, uh, you're aware of the the Inquisitors, the Ninth Sister, the second brother and so yeah. on and so forth. There's supposed to be some hint to, because I think Cal. Cal Kestis. There's supposed to be some nod to him somewhere in Obi-Wan, but I didn't I didn't see it. Well, I think it and was. I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't know what I was looking for either. Some of the sisters. Because you fight. They're, they're in both the game and the show. Well, yeah, all of them are. Because this one, the main two you go is ninth sister and second sister. They're they, the people that are following you through everything. And you have some pretty epic combats with them. And so, I'm not going to spoil, you know, because they're using dark side of the force, you're using the light side, so you, every now and again you get these cool little, like, uh, QTEs in the boss battles that are pretty cool, and sometimes I was too busy watching what was going on and I would miss the buttons, because I would, I did that. The game itself does have some accessibility features, which is another thing that I was able to turn on, which is probably why I got through it so quickly, because there is something I was playing, uh, okay, we, we talked about God of War Ragnarok. The thing in God of War Ragnarok, we have to like hold, like as you like are climbing walls, you have to like hold a button to keep your knife, your chaos blades or whatever in as you're climbing or something. And you can turn that off. I turned that off. And I was like, cool. Because I hated holding an extra button to climb. Yeah. I didn't like it. Tedious. So this game had the same thing. It's like hold left or right trigger to climb. And I had it turn. I was like, whatever, I'll deal with it. I took literally the first jump my character made after it introduced jumping and holding the button. I made that jump. And the next jump, I jumped, and I was like, why didn't you grab onto the thing? And I missed the jump like three more times going, oh, you have to hold the stupid L button. Options, accessibility, turn that crap off. I hated it immediately. Yeah. So it made it more kind of brain work. Like Assassin's Creed, he auto-grabbed onto the thing, which made it... Well, Assassin's Creed's holding a button. Oh, it is too? Oh. Yeah, you're thinking maybe um, Uncharted. 
probably yeah, but he auto grabbed the thing. So I mean, I miss I I mean I still miss jumps because of the way the platforming and stuff works. But it was fine. But I definitely took I turned I turned that off immediately as soon as I missed like my my second jump multiple yeah. times. It was something we played right right before that that had the same issue. Was we, it not? I thought it was God because there was something else that made me turn it on. Because it was the exact same mechanic. It may not have been a... Uh, oh, it was God of War. I, I won't be able to remember now. But there was some game we played right before that. You're like, yeah, this sucks. And we, we and, and you had to hit a button to grab. I can't remember what it was. But Yeah, but this thing had, this, but had the ability to turn it off. So I immediately did that. And as well as the exploration and stuff like that. It does have the... I guess the Metroid Prime with the Metroidvania stuff. Because Dark Souls... You don't ever come back to an area with a new thing to unlock... But Dark Souls does have shortcuts, and this game does that. The best shortcuts in gaming. Yeah, this game does do the shortcuts beautifully. Like you know, activating an elevator or uh, being able to force push something, like you, or you you cut open a wall and the wall falls and it creates a bridge. And it, the shortcuts in the game do work out beautifully in correspondence with the not so great map. But the shortcuts are amazing. It does have. Five different planets that you go to. And some of them are bigger and smaller, but the majority of them is you have Bulgano, which I think was created for this game. Same thing with Zefu. I think Mossel was made for this game. But then you visit two worlds who have previously existed, which are Kashyyyk, the Wookiee home planet, and Dathomir, the home of the Night Sisters, which is something, well, Night Sisters and Night Brothers. And that came about, I think, in like the Clone Wars animated series. Because Dathomir is, they started doing more story. Dathomir is where Darth Maul's race comes from. Darth Maul and Savage Press. And the Night Sisters, they use magic. They, they literally call it magic. Because it's things you can't do, that at least Jedi's can't do with the Force. And so they use Force and quote-unquote magic. Literally, they just call it magic. And there's a, I'm not going to spoil that, but there's a really cool, like, story that goes on there of a, you meet him fairly quickly. His name is uh, Talos, and he is a Jedi who landed there after he destroyed all the, again, he survived Order 66 and killed everybody, but they shot his ship and he ended up, like, warp driving and crash landing on this planet with these Night Sisters and stuff. And so he is like the only Jedi in existence that knows magic and has like some whole cool storyline with him and all that stuff. And then you land on Ilum, which I think is also invented for this. No, I think Ilum might exist prior. I don't know. It's a planet that's like 98% water. And so every, all these structures and stuff are built underwater. And it's actually has some really cool moments, which I might spoil. I might not. Because it's probably the coolest thing that happens in the game, story-wise. But you know it's coming if you know anything about story. And now, another Dark Souls comparison. Two of them. You have your bonfires, but they're called Meditation Circle. And of course, every time you rest at one, it brings all the enemies back. That's also how you level up. And the only thing that the game does miss, like, by a long shot, that Dark Souls has. I don't know why they didn't put it in here. You don't get it right away in Dark Souls. You have to work for it. So I could get, I could understand working for it. There is no fast travel. Like you can, you meditate at these. There is no fast travel anywhere you want to go. You have to run. That's insane in modern gaming. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I think that's they're like, well, we want to show off uh, using you know the traversal. And the traversal you can book. Cal mm. Kestis can freaking book down some stuff. And then once you get all the force abilities, 
depending on how fast you are, though, you're going to want to travel somewhere. Yeah, I would like to, like, cool, I've been to this planet, especially if the whole point is it's a Metroidvania, so you, I only had to go back to some of these planets, like, two or three times, because my guy didn't say to go back until certain points, and then once I would go back, I'd, I'd, I'd clean it up. I think only one planet I went back to three times. Everything else was either once or twice. But I was just like, give me fast travel. Come on, man. It's not even... I didn't have to be magic or anything. Just let me fast travel. But that was... Yeah. And your your BD-1, your little bipedal droid with all the extra upgrades that he gets to let you zip line and do some other really cool things, he gets... Uh, they, they have a word for him, but they're basically just... Uh, he, they're fl- Estes flasks. They're heel canisters. They're, they're stim packs. I think they, they use the term stim packs. And you just, oh, I need one BD. And he did pops one out and you heal yourself. So you can access the Star Wars Jedi Survivor fast travel function by interacting with any meditation point. In Survivor? Okay, cool. That must have been like the biggest complaint. Especially for people who struggle to read the map to get Think back. of these as akin to bonfires in Souls-like games. Yeah. So they, they immediately added it to the next one. Yeah, because that had to have been something people were complaining about. The game did incredibly well. Yeah, uh, it sold 10 million copies in uh, roughly a year. It came out in November, well, yeah, it came out November 15th, 2019, and then by 2020, I guess in before Stadia came out, I'm guessing with the, just the original. So within a year, it made Stadia wasn't going to boost the sales. No, exactly. So I'm I'm, I'm going to assume it was before Stadia came out cuz Stadia was almost the end of 2020 that it made 10 million copies. A wild guess that that was below EA's projection. Possibly. We'll see. Now, I'm not going to do too much more. We got we got another game. A whole other game. I I just I guess I wanted to reiterate that it was the 5 years after. Oh, one not one thing, but the thing that annoyed me the most is the game has a whole bunch of treasure chests and there are upgrades that you have to either find for yourself or find for BD to open up some of these treasure chests because they have security locks or they have biometrics and you have to, do, you know, every single chest in the game just gives you a cosmetic option. Either clothes so, for Cal, so boring. a paint job for BD, a paint job for the Mantis, or different customizations for your lightsaber, including your kyber crystal, your hilt, uh, and uh, something else. It's like the, uh, the the kyber crystal, which is the color of the lightsaber, the actual hilt, and then the mount, like the, the thing that the beam comes out of. And it was like, cool, my hand's covering that most of the time. Now, don't get me wrong, like, when it was hanging on your belt and stuff, you could see it, like, oh, that's cool. I kept a, 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 a purple one. Because pimps were purple, we just leave it at that. But like all the some of the cosmetics were cool and overly intricate. I'm like, but it's covered up by my hand 90 percent of the time. I'm it, using it in I combat. Think it, from what I, what I seen on Reddit, from <clears> all the when, when Survivor came out, it's even more intricate in Survivor. Yeah, they, yeah, they, it looked like they let you like put facial hair and a haircut and stuff on. on yeah, cow. I've seen a lot of mullets, a lot <laughs> of cow with mullets. I can't, no, I don't know why that was the thing. It's just funny. Big old puffy mustache and a mullet. The the last thing I will talk about is there is a a band called The Who, but it's H-U, and they are a Mongolian folk band, like folk rock band. And they have a song, and they have several songs, actually. I don't know how they got it. The Who, H-U, maybe there's some Star Wars reference in that that I don't know. But they did a lot of the songs. Now, it's crazy because what they did, I don't understand how or why they were this intricate about it. 
but they took the Who songs. Uh, one in particular called Shugan Asina. So they took songs that were sung in Mongolian, or yeah, and then translated it to English, and then used those English words and translated the English words into a made-up alien language. <laughs> that's so much work. And so, because the songs that they sing are in the alien language, I'm like, that's why do the the steps? But they wanted to make sure leave it in Mongolian. It'll sound alien to a lot of people. Yeah, but they just wanted it to make I don't know an added step of immersion, I guess. But you should be able to find the song. It should be. I think, I'm sure it's on there because it's like a, a named song yeah. by the band. Here you go, Brian. There's some homework for you. I can send you the spelling and stuff if necessary. That um, double check and making sure I hit all my my checkpoints. Are you gonna be? Um, we have got Game Pass. So are you gonna be hit playing Survivor when it hits Game Pass? If it hasn't already, I don't know if it has yet. I think it's too <laughs> new. Eventually. Eventually. I'm sure Not I will. Itching for another one. I didn't hate the games by any means, and like according to TA, it was almost we'll, we'll just say round up say 30 hours across 10 days. I mean, it, it didn't take me that long to do it, but I had a walkthrough, so I'll wait until TA has a walkthrough, and then I might reattempt do that one in like a year or so. Like when the when the third one's coming out, I'll do it. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of why you do this one. That's the only way, yeah, because it was literally like the week the the that it was coming out. I was it showed up randomly on GameFly. I was like, all right, cool, perfect timing. GameFly was Game Pass. Game. This was even Game Pass? It's part of EA, yes. Oh, okay. It's old enough. The first one's old enough. The, the, the EA stuff comes in Game Pass about a year after, or six months to a year after release. But I think Survivor was coming out in general, and he was like, oh, well, it's on Game Pass. I'll play Fallen Order. One of the podcasts is always a year behind on things. No, we yeah. just don't care about being on top of things. Yeah, I don't need the new hotness. My backlog is yeah. massive enough. The only thing you'll hear us play brand new is uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yeah, which we'll get to that later. Uh, do you have any questions you want to ask me or are you ready to move on? I have no questions about this game. You still say I shouldn't I shouldn't even bother that I'll be... I have less tolerance for Star Wars. I have far less tolerance for Star Wars than you do. Like, you will put up with dumb dumb stuff to get some good bits out of it. I have no tolerance. I have, I'm, I'm, I have about as much Star Wars tolerance as, as I do Marvel tolerance, and I, I'm just at my wit's end for both of them. With the occasional, you know, okay thing. Yeah. I gotta watch Mandalorian because Mandalorian's good. Now, the later season, maybe season, what's the last season? Three or four? Three. Three wasn't maybe as good as the first two seasons, but. Because he's not by himself and they're bringing in more people and he's interacting with like a Jedi or two and you're just like, ugh. Yeah. I want your story. I don't care about freaking. I think they've ran out of his story. I think that's the problem with Mandalorian. They've ran out of. You can tell in season three they've kind of tapped him out. Yeah. So there's so many other characters, and I mean, I, I like world building as much as the next guy, but they've really, I think they've tapped him out, and season three should have been it, and they're really, they're doing another season, which is probably going to be pretty bad. They're, they're going to beat Mandalorian to the ground, and it's going to be really bad. Yeah, but I admit, so far as you can tell, I should never, never touch this game because I'll be annoyed or. You're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're really not, because like some of the, some of the other cool stuff. Like some of the things that I guess other people would like. Oh my God, that's so cool! Was uh, on Kashyyyk. They're doing the uh, you know a civil war. Kashyyyk's always 
trying to be conquered by other people. What are we gonna be messing with the Wookies for? But pick up and rip you in half. Yeah, some of the people you get to you get to meet Tarful. Everyone, he's a he's a big war chieftain. You get to you know you hunt down Tarful. Um, while you're on Tarful, you get to meet. What I say? While you're on Tarful. No, little mean brown brown chicken Wookie. Um, but while you're on Kashyyyk, uh, in their civil war, you do get to meet uh, a, re- a character who reoccurs as a rebel leader from like Rogue One and one or two other things, Saw Guerrera, and that's Forrest Whitaker, and he reprises the role with face model and voice, and so that's all pretty cool. Because you know, if you do a Star Wars thing and it's remotely good, you're you're kind of set. You have a nice steady supply of money coming in. Like this this kid, Cameron Cameron Monaghan, he'll be set for a long time. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Rumors, he's supposed to be appearing in live action stuff. Yeah, because he, he's young enough. Like he's my well, age or it, younger. It ain't about being young enough. It's about he has a. They used his face, so now his character is canon and can appear in live action Star Wars. So. Yeah, I wish they would do that with um, Sam Witter. I wish he'd be able to come back and do some stuff as the as Star Killer, but I think that's dope too. Whatever. But he's he, still canon. It's funny because in the before I get on, he does like a lot of the voice work. For Darth Maul, which I think is kind of cool. Ten Lirda? Mm-hmm. What's his name? Ray Park. Uh, Ray Park, who does the all the stunts for it? All the stunts for it, no. But Sam Witter's got a better voice, I guess. And he's more of a fan, maybe. But, yeah. Uh, we got more Star Wars talks, so hopefully you guys aren't a Star Wars doubt just yet. <laughs> We're going to jump into our next game, which hopefully Drew will talk some more in on this one, because he actually played this one. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Vader... Immortal. It came out episodically, originally May 21st, September 25th, and November 21st of 2019. And then a little less than a year later, it would come out complete together on the PSVR. But we got it on our Oculus Quest 2. It's also on the Rift, whatever that is. Is that a nod? A Rift? Is this, is this, is this another headset? Mm. Okay, so some more water. I'm talking a whole bunch. My throat's getting dry. <laughs> okay. So our developer is ILM Lab. ILM is Industrial Lights and Magic. And they are owned by LucasArts and have done all of anything LucasArts or Star Wars in a movie. They have done the visual effects and the sound and all that stuff. Now, ILM Lab, they, and they've ILM has been around... Like, officially, I think they reconstituted from, they separated officially from Lucas Arts and Lucas Films for being, because they were just called Lucas Art or Lucas Film, and they wanted to separate them so that they, those people who were really good at it, could also be given other projects to work on and make the company more money. So, that in 2006, they were officially established as Industrial Light and Magic, but they were called that, like, you know, R&D, Light and Magic for Lucasfilms, and they were officially given their own title in 06. And then this game company was 2015, with the X-Lab on the end. And they are based out of San Francisco, 
Calif- uh, San Francisco, California. Sorry, my brain broke for a second. San Francisco, California. And in 2022, they opened up a studio in Singapore. So they're you know slowly expanding across seas to give all the American jobs away. But still, you know, whatever. I'm not angry at them. <clears throat> They've done 11 games slash experiences. Because mm-hmm. anytime a VR thing, it's usually some sort of experience or they're getting better now they're getting better yeah but these were they've had the like i said since just veteran mortals kind of half and half it's a little half and half but one of the games i don't really count as a game because it's also put invader immortal and i'll get to that here in just a moment but some of the stuff they've talked about some of the games they've done rather is um basically a whole lot of star wars things there is trials on tatooine Project Porg, which is basically like a Tamagotchi. You take care of a Porg, the little furry things about the size of your hand. And then there's like Jakku Spy, and then one thing called Rogue One Recon, which was a Star Wars 360 experience. (laughs) It was on the 360. And then this other one called Secrets of the Empire. It's just a whole bunch of Star Wars things. And now three things that aren't Star Wars... One is called the Avengers Damage Control, which you get to kind of like go through wreckage. It's VR. It's VR. It's uh, Avengers Damage Control, and then there's another one called uh, Ralph Breaks the VR, <laughs> and you get to go through a cool little VR experience with Wreck-It Ralph, and or as he affects a VR world around you, it seems kind of cool. And they had one really interesting one that was like completely out of left field, and it, it's it's an experience called. Uh, Carne y Arena, and it is a primarily focused on Central American and Mexicans' trials and tribulations of deportation, immigration, and becoming a refugee in like in their country during like civil wars and stuff. And it takes you. And the entire game was based on people's true experiences. They didn't uh, hyperbole or exaggerate in any way. They took these people's experiences and then went and shot and filmed in location. And so you could experience like this person, if they had to like run through the night were being shot at you, you were shot at while running through the night or you had to crawl through the sewers and stuff. Like they, they went like down and dirty and nitty gritty and stuff. It was pretty cool. It, it won up some awards and stuff for like inclusion and showing the, you know, true experience of, people of individuals i just thought, i thought that was definitely cool and and worth noting so also us white folks can put on our vrs and say we understand a lot of characters are uh i don't know just yeah maybe but i'm sure it, it's really cool I'm, if it's just not like it's you know walking it's, it's literally walking in someone else's shoes yeah in our air-conditioned apartment still house actually we're in a house yeah put on my $300 headset and tell you I've been there. But I, I just I, I thought it was cool and worth noting that. Yeah, it's really cool, yeah. Uh, the whole company, uh, this uh, ILM Labs, is only... It's, I couldn't find an exact number, but on their LinkedIn profile, it said they, had, they were less than 25 employees. Hmm. Now, also while I was on LinkedIn, they are hiring a senior visual effects artist in San Francisco, <laughs> and they have loads of benefits health days off and stuff like that so if you have any sort of visual effects artist and i i, I and this is recent i looked this up uh some of these notes were like last night i was double checking some of my notes and this is still active 
I clicked on it and it was like, we're, we're looking. Are you looking? <laughs> I was like, oh, clip me to get out. <laughs> I'm not a senior visual effects artist. But if you have any sort of work, try them. You could work there and make some uh, decent money. Mm. With that being said, uh, I'm going to tackle, uh, we have a director and a writer. Then I'll go through them kind of briefly and then we'll kind of dip into the meat and stuff of the games. And there's some other people we'll get to. Our director is a gentleman named Ben Snow. And he himself is primarily a visual effects artist. This is the only thing he's directed. But some the some uh, kind of cool things that he did do visual effects work on is actually pretty cool. He worked on Casper, uh, Twister, Mars Attacks, uh, the first Brendan Fraser mummy. You know, you know, this is visual effects, guys. So I picked the ones that had some of the cooler, outstanding ones. Uh, oddly enough, uh, not I say oddly, but he did work on episode two. Attack of the Clones, uh, Iron Man 1 and 2, as well as Age of Ultron, and most recently he worked on that D&D Honor Amongst Thieves. He worked on that. Uh, and uh, Galaxy Quest, which I always find Galaxy Quest is really a fond memory. Yeah. and But this is the first thing he's directed, so I don't have anything else to compare that to. But at least you know, like, he did work on the game too, so you at least know the game looks good. The game d- did in fact look really good, because these experiences and you being kind of on rails do well, tend to you get free freedom to walk around in this one a yeah. little bit it's limited but yeah yeah you can't go exploring but you you are you are like giving loose like you know the left stick you could get you can get to walk around and look around you're not like it's one of the better versions on a vr that i've been able to walk mm-hmm. around like this this and this is more a little more fluid than um resident evil 4 mm-hmm. vr do you play resident evil 4 vr yet no. This one actually gives you free, like you can change in the options. You can do the free looking with the right stick, where you actually kind of move, you can kind of look, and you still look with your head too. That's what people get motion sick from. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one has more free looking and walking. Resident Evil Four VR, at least unless I can not find the option, Resident Evil Four always shifted its looking in like a 30, de- 30 degrees or something like that. Yeah, this and was in you, the options. You could with the right stick. It was fifteen degrees. 30 degrees, 45 degrees, and then... Free or something like that. Yeah. Because it, free, for flow. It's like flow. It has, it had some, some term about it, but yeah. I, I wanted it to be played. Yeah. I didn't really get too nauseous playing this. <laughs> yeah, because the game is broken into three distinct chapters, and each of those are like an hour, hour and a half. If you're taking your time and exploring, because you can pick up some things and interact and all yeah. that stuff. Or at the very least, because you can just look around, because they built the the stuff you're in. Sometimes you're just like, this is really cool. This is under you know this cavern or this like lava pit or this busted airship. It's really cool to just kind of look around and see some of the detail. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, our writer. Let me get to our writer. He has he's big. Like you should know this guy's name that I'm about to say. He's been in all sorts of stuff, Marvel, DC, all over the place. He's a uh, David S. Goyer. I was surprised to see his name. Some cool thing. He's responsible for the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises. He wrote all three of those. Yeah, people people think those Chris as a... Chris Nolan. Christopher Nolan movies, which they are. He directed, though. Yeah, but David S. Goyer wrote all three. Yeah. David S. Goyer also wrote Man of Steel, which uh, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Man of Steel is the best thing DC's put out in a long time. And they haven't topped it. They won't. And it's been 10 plus years since that came out now, I think. He also did, like, he's he done some Marvel things. 
include uh well just one marvel thing really and it was a uh, ghost rider spirit of vengeance he wrote that <laughs> while the neville dean and taylor directed it he wrote it he also wrote jumper yeah everybody hates on jumper but i jumper's just fun jumper's just a fun casual movie you ain't got to put a lot of thought into it he also did the most recent movie uh 2022 uh hellraiser movie he wrote that oh did he mm-hmm. which i think is pretty we probably cool. would have saw his name and got excited when we saw his name back when we watched the movie and let's see here. One other dark thing he wrote was a dark city. He wrote Dark City, which yeah. is a truly weird movie, but a good movie with Jennifer Connelly, Connelly and uh, Rufus. Has he wrote any other? This is te- this is technically. I mean, this is this is it's just a Star Wars thing. So it kind of kind of it's still a video game. Is David Goyer wrote any other video games? Not that I could tell. So he probably wrote this as a movie, writing a Star Wars movie, yeah. not like writing a game. That- Oh, uh, uh, besides Spirit of Vengeance, there's three other Marvel things that he wrote. Uh, Blade, 1, 2, and Trinity. Oh, really? He wrote all three of them. I love Blade. Those, those movies hold up so well. They're so, yeah. Some of the CGI is a little weak sauce, but it's... But the, the writing holds oh, up. Oh, the writing is super Mr. fun. Snipes' his acting holds such a great Blade. He also did Crow 2, City of Angels, which is like one of the lesser ones, but it, he did it still kind of cool. Now, the first movie he ever wrote, and then I'll be done with him, was called Death Warrant. And it stars one JCVD, good old Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Death Warrant. He wrote that, so that's pretty cool. So kind of the meat and potatoes of the game, of the experience. It's a game. You keep saying experience. Like, you you get to walk around. You do, you you do, walk. A, you do a lot of stuff in this. You do walk this around. This is more, uh, almost more game than it is experience. Like, yeah, honestly. that is true. It's a experience game. Experience is you, like, would stand still and just look around while stuff happen, happens at you. Yeah. Like, you have to, like... You have to. You have to interact with everything for this the game to move forward. You do have to. You have to interact. You, you get kill. Little, you kill a ton of stormtroopers. <laughs> you kill a boatload of stormtroopers. Okay. Meat and potatoes of this is you're a smuggler, going through intergalactic space. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly where you're going, but you've just stolen some stuff because you're a smuggler and you're on your way. The events of this take place between. Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One, much like Jedi Fallen Order, but this might take place further. Mm, I'm trying to think, this might take place before that. I would guess it's hard to it's hard to place some of these time frames. What happens? You're sucked in via a tractor beam because they detect you going through their space, and you end up uh, near and on eventually the planet Mustafar, which is where Vader kind of hides out. It has also technically where Anakin Skywalker died and Vader was born. That's where the high ground is. Is on Mustafar. For those who don't know, and so I think he, I think this must take place before Fallen Order because he's still kind of here. He's still more Anakin than he is Vader because the whole point of this Vader Immortal thing, the big linchpin, is he's on Mustafar and he's looking for this artifact called the Bright Star. And through research of like local lore. Of other of the Mustafarian people, he's found out that if he can put enough energy and force power into the Bright Star, he can bring Padme back to life, mm-hmm. and that's his goal. Is he's trying to find this artifact here, and you just happen to come wrong place, wrong time. You're a smuggler going through their space. They pull you down. He pulls you down. <laughs> oh no! I think you get caught in your tractor beam, and there's something else later. You get pulled down, and then they're just kind of like, "You are a smuggler, blah blah blah. I'll throw you in jail for right now. We'll go deal with you later." And then you break out and adventure and so on ensues. Yeah. I forget how, it, I mean, it's been a couple of months since I played, but I forget how you end up sort of working for Vader. <laughs> well, he, 
like employs you to go find the relic or whatever. Yeah, well, because you, well, oh, you know, not say employs you. Like you go do it, or I'll just kill you. Yeah, well, because your talents, a, a smuggler and some other things, like you have tools he requires for spelunking into these caverns and whatnot. Like you have at least some sort of expertise in being a smuggler slash grave robber. But he also senses, uh, like it kind of ends with him sensing that you are that you're force sensitive and he's like I could use more like you in my team because you have no you have no affiliation with Jedi or anything you're just a smuggler and he senses that you have abilities in you and he's ooh more you know get someone loyal perhaps and you know train him to my cause you got all your force powers in the thing you do get well you get some of them you don't get all the force powers but you get some force powers the, the main ones picking up and throwing things you get force force pull push and the ability later to we because you get a lightsaber da, 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 spoilers you you will eventually get a lightsaber and you get the ability to throw it and have it come back which is pretty cool that's always fun i remember doing that you could do it you get it like when you're fighting these like flying things and they have these nests and you don't have anything to throw so it's like hey you can throw your lightsaber so you can throw your light and like i said in the last one with bd1 in all games, all Star Wars things, you have a droid companion. And this one talks. This one talks, and she's more of a protocol droid, just much more advanced than C-3PO. She is Z-O-E-3, Zoe, and voiced by the ever-hilarious, always-funny, charismatic Maya Rudolph, whom I love and adore. Uh, Maya, it, she's an SNL alum. She's been there for a long time. Uh, she has countless comedic movies, whether she just has a two-minute cameo or she pops in for a big thing. She also does really good voice work. Uh, the big, big thing voice work wise that people probably know her as right now is she is the hormone monstrous in Big Mouth. And she can say, she can put, I don't know, like eight syllables in the word bubble bath. Bubble bath. <laughs> she, I love her. She, Maya Rudolph is absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we'll go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and talk about him too, since I've already said his name. You're, uh, we have Vader. Now, th- this isn't Vader with James Earl Jones. This is Vader with a gentleman named Scott Lawrence. And he has been the voice of video game Vader since the beginning. Except for certain movie tie-ins where they just use James Earl Jones' dialogue because it already existed. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's out. It's them just saving money. Anytime new dialogue had to be spoken, you have this gentleman, Scott Lawrence. And, I mean, since the... I don't say since the beginning, but since the uh, video games, honestly, that it could have the ability to have voice acting, new voice acting, not pre-recorded from the movie or whatever, chipped in. But he started in 1994 with Star Wars TIE Fighter hmm. on two floppy disks for your PC. That's how long this dude's been. That's what, 29 years? Games could run on floppy disks? Yeah. Two floppy disks for, for your PC. Yeah, Star Wars TIE Fighter. And it's crazy, he, Missy. I mean, obviously, he's good if he's kept this role for this long. Any time, like I said, other than the pre-recorded James Earl Jones at all, any time, yeah. he is the voice of Vader. Without really listening, you probably couldn't really tell that much of a difference. It sounded like Vader to me. So he is know. the second voice of Vader, which I think is is pretty cool. Your character is silent, any? Your character is completely silent. That's why I, uh, you get Zoe. She is the person who does all your all your talking. Basically, she's very very talkative. <laughs> And as you're going through, like I said, we have these three separate chapters. They are each one, I guess, what roughly an hour, hour and a half, depending on like how what you're doing. If you're like just mm-hmm. looking around and exploring, you get 
you get a, you get into combat situations not at first. At first, it's you know sneaking, and then it once you get like a lightsaber, then it kind of triggers into like combat, mm-hmm. and you can you get to deflect the blasters back at the stormtroopers. That's super fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. Again, we talked about VR games before. It's hard to uh, express the difference. It feels playing a VR game as compared. I told Blake like he played. Actually, he played uh, Fallen Order after playing Episode One of Vader Immortal. Mm-hmm. So you deflect bolts back and and fall in order, but it's nowhere near as cool as it is in Vader Immortal. It because you're the you're you're the one doing it. Yeah. There's a difference. Like, like it's in, automatic in Vader, in, in it's automatic in fall in order. I'm sure. It's like hold X or hold your guard button, and he'll ding ding ding, ding automatically do it. Yeah. But then there are some other things you can do, which is kind of cool, which you couldn't do. Well, no, you couldn't really use. Just more, like, kind of one at a time on this, but in. Fallen Order, you could some of your ability, your first one you get, which I didn't even talk about some of that ability, but one of the first abilities you get is like a force slow, like you send like a bubble of like slowing down things, so you could slow down a bunch of like blaster bolts as they're coming at you, and then deflect like two or three back at once. You send like a little bubble of like slow down or like thickened air. It's not a, not a power you see in the in the rest of the. In normal Star Wars, because it's, it's 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 just like, I think it's very video gamey. I think Kylo did it when he. I think they probably they got the idea in Episode uh, Seven when that dude fired bolt at him. And he literally froze the bolt in air and it was like shaking. That was like one of the coolest moments. And then Kylo became Krylo shortly after that. But like, he had a cool intro when he froze that bolt in air. Didn't even talk about that, but whatever. We're just gonna one of the things that makes the reason that Cal is unique is because he can do something that. I don't think, and they might talk about it, but Cal Kestis has a thing called, uh, he can read force echoes, which is an impression that the force leaves behind on objects. So he can see the history of an object through the force. And that's what gives him, like lets him go on his journey and stuff. I should have mentioned that earlier. It's his uniquest ability he has. And it's <laughs> what, mention it. and it, it's what drives his story. So yeah. anyway. I apologize for not mentioning that, but leave that in here so people can know that I'm not stupid. I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the game, Back, but the point, point is that the deflecting, like you, yeah. you had the, the the actual physical deflecting, like holding a saber in your hand. Now, granted, bolts fly at you at a, at a, at a, a rate like laser bolts, whatever, fly at you at a rate that you can human, like you can watch them come at you and kind of move your saber in the where you need it to be to reflect it back at them and stuff like that. And sometimes I did the uh, at a certain part. There's a bunch of them shooting at you, and I did the. Uh, the trick, which was literally just put it in front of me and wiggle my arm back and forth really, really fast to create like a wall of lightsaber in front of me, kind of like a fan or a propeller. And that way they would hit. Sometimes I was moving too fast, they'd just fly through and hit me. But sometimes I'd get really good and deflect like five or ten back at once. But genuinely, you're you're coming across like anywhere from three to six at a time, and you can bing, bing, bing. But they're, they're, they, they get replaced fairly quick. But knocking back a bolt felt awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, Drew, unfortunately, I, I think... You, you hurt your hand really hard yeah, on something. On the wall, because it's hard to know where you are in VR, obviously. It's one of the one of the dangers of VR. But that was during that was during a saber battle with one of the droid saber guys. Oh, one of the big boys. Yeah. You fight droids that have lightsabers. These like ancient like protectors of this tomb come at you with like lightsabers and stuff. There's there's one battle at the end of episode one that just goes on for so I don't I thought it was like waiting on for me to do something. The battle goes on it for was so just long. A, long it was, I think that was like episode two. Because you're with Vader. Cause after, yeah, it's not that end of the first episode. No, because you fight two or three of them, yeah. and then there's another one. There's, there's like a, you're on like that big elevator, like yeah. that ancient elevator, and they're just 
popping off the walls as you're going down. You're fighting so many. You're just standing in a tomb in the first one. Wait, <clears throat> like in the in the episode one is where you find the little item. Yeah, and that's that fight. That's that okay, that's the fight because you find the little relic that he wants you to. For some reason, Vader can't pick up the relic or something. He needs something. It, well, it's uh, as you part of the story, which I've already spoiled more than I should. But part of the story is only people of descendants of the Lady Corvax, who was the a ruler of Mustafar. Only direct descendants from her line can interact with the 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 orb, the orby relic thing. But anyway, but yeah, I did like swinging the lightsaber around like. Hit my hand on the like the wall in our room where I was playing. I freaking surprised I didn't break any fingers, honestly. But it kind of reeled me in on being doing it wild. <laughs> yeah, doing like wild saber because you cause you ain't got to be like big big saber swings to like kill stuff. You can you can kind of do. You literally just like hold it up to your chest and kind of like just like move your wrist and not yeah. your whole arm. So that's my first VR incident. I've only had that one. Like like I didn't do anything like that when playing um, Resident Evil or anything. So. But there's yeah, the saber fights, and then uh, the the I think it was one of the more fun things was like um, the big sections where you fight a bunch of stormtroopers, and they're like shooting at you, and you're deflecting. So you have your saber in one hand. I think it's got to be in your right hand, maybe. You can be left or right, because I I'm left-handed most of the time. Oh. So you, you, it just depends on whatever hilt on your waist you put it on, because you do have to if you, you do have to actually put it on your hilt on yeah, your put it down and let it go. Put it on your belt. The quest has the grip button and a trigger, so you have to like grab it and hold it and hit the trigger to turn the saber on. It's really cool. Uh, but like doing that was like deflecting bolts with one hand and like you can like force grab stormtroopers with the other hand or rocks or just pretty much in it and throw them and you can force pull like blasters to you and like defend with one hand and like shoot a blaster till it runs out of you have, like three shots but you can shoot a blaster till it runs out of bullets and then you can throw the blaster at people. Yeah. It was, it was actually, it felt pretty good. It, 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 it speaks well for the developer because like it works it works very it's well. Not, it's like not difficult to do. Like the way they developed how the powers, like you pull towards you, you push your arm away. Like in the Oculus reads it all very well. The hardest thing I had was, slight spoiler alert for people who haven't played it. There is, it's an ongoing part, I think in the chapter two, there is a an ancient rancor, a massive, they call it an elder rancor. It's mm-hmm. so huge. And it would like break off rocks and throw them at you. And I had a hard time like catching the stuff he threw out of the air and throwing it back at him. Like I just couldn't get the the timing right on that. That was a little it worked good for me. Wonky. That was my heart. But that, I, again, that may have just been me doing horrible input and have really bad timing. But that was cool catching the stuff. And then in I guess like in chapter three, there's a big thing that happens, and you're back on a ship and you get access to uh, some of the armaments and so you can chuck grenades at people mm-hmm. and stuff like that that was pretty cool chuck blowing them off the edge or same thing you have stormtroopers and then you talk about some of these ancient droids these guardians of this tomb you could fight some of them and others you could you could i don't think the first time you fight, i don't think you had the force ability but the the next time you fight them you can literally just pick them up and throw them at one another yeah and that goes so much faster than fighting them hand to hand or in certain cases you could pick up stormtroopers and them, and then just chuck them off. Yeah, into you're, the you're, a bunch, you're a bunch of ruins too. There's a bunch of rocks and stuff conveniently lying around to throw at people. And then like caverns, you could literally just pick up and chuck them into a crevasse. And it was, it's as easy. It, it the way it the way it feels. It's easy as just reaching out, picking a human being up or a stormtrooper, and just like flicking your wrist, and they're like, ah! <laughs> it does. You do feel incredibly. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why. The, that's probably why the, the the dark side feels so good. Murder in the dark side just. Feels so easy and good. Oh yeah, that would definitely be a Sith. Oh, hands down. 
not on purpose necessarily, but uh, <laughs> I. We, uh, yeah, well, there is a one mechanic that they only use one time. And that's when you get that 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 mist. There's a, this fancy special lightsaber you get, mm-hmm. and it controls that it controls the ancient army of bots. Oh yeah, and you're attacked in that one room, but they only do it one time. Where you like you point the saber at that the was amazing. Uh, you point the saber at the guys, and the droids are following the commands of the saber. Of you where point the saber, you're pointing, point, and all the droids are shooting. They do that in that room, and you're like, okay, this is gonna do. You're gonna do this again. It's just like showing you a demo of what's going to what's gonna happen at a bigger fight, and it just never happens again. Like, it's yeah. just in that one room. You don't even use the droids again, I don't think. They, they, they help you, you get into the Mustafar thing. Because you give them a command, and then you give away the tool that lets you control them to the, the Mustafarian rebel leader. That's yeah. why. <laughs> Stupid. You, you do have to, they do have, you have to, like, do these cool, like, sky letters. These, like, you know, to activate these certain techniques. Yeah, it teaches you all this stuff, and then you never use it. Yeah. You literally don't like you don't use it. I was like, you're just like want us to draw in the air one time and then not actually use this in any kind of real situation. It was like a kind of a big letdown for that. One. But that uh, that uh, that lightsaber in was I'm actually sure it has some lore to it. In the game, it has a lore. It was like this person's light. They called it a light sword because it was older. It was, yeah. Every time it was referenced, and they called it a light sword, and it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. It had like a like an old school, like a medieval style handle and everything. The hilt. Even the, the hilt, even the blade looked a little different, and you could tell it was, I guess, ancient or less refined because it did this really cool thing. When you turned it on and turned it off, it was so hot that smoke would come out of the handle. Yeah, and cool. it, it just cool. looked really cool. Yeah, you're doing it when, when when your people are talking to you during cutscenes. Have the saber out and be turning it on and off as the saber oh, yeah. goes through their head and back out. Oh yeah, just they don't react. Of course, we're just like I don't give a crap what they're saying to me. No, or I would do like as they're talking to me. I would just like have my hands on their holding their face and just like stroking their cheeks both sides. <laughs> yeah, because people don't really interact with you when you're doing that. Very rarely. I don't like, think there's probably any games that'll react to what you're doing. They do that. Um, they do do that. Uh eye tracing thing like I'd get real close to him and like move and they'd just be like well, their eyes follow where your face they just fall and I'd just be stroking their face and their eyes would just fall they just looked really funny that's just the, the whole VR uh, part is just silly and fun and I'm not gonna spoil what happens but I'm pretty sure you can figure out what happens yeah well the, the, the problem with Star Wars is like they can't change anything yeah like they, they can't you have so these really cool ideas what's her name doesn't get brought back to life because you can't change canon yeah, so that's the, that's the problem. One of the one of the biggest problems with Star Wars is you can never change anything. It's set in stone thirty years ago, and you can't do nothing about it. Yeah, I have the the last Not thing 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, the the last thing I want to talk about is something I started to talk about earlier, but I didn't finish that thought. Was one of the I said they made a bunch of games. One of the games I felt didn't count because it was tacked on into Vader Immortal is. You don't unlock it until you get to your lightsaber at the end of episode one, but then you can still do it. Is a thing dojo. called the lightsaber dojo, because you can like they have the entire thing as like its own separate experience. Oh, really? Then it is broken into three smaller pieces throughout each of these chapters. Yeah. I didn't do the dojo because I figured I got most of what the VR stuff was going to be out of the out of the main game. I didn't even, I didn't go into the dojo at all. I piddled with it just to see what it was, mm-hmm. and it was literally like it gave you a cool arena and you just kill the enemies until you died and then as you, the more enemies and stuff you killed you, you accrued points and you had to cash in the points for cosmetics like different colored lightsaber different you know just like with uh, Fallen Order different uh, 
I know the word I used it earlier, kyber crystals and hilts. And I think you even got to get different gloves. Because the only thing you see is your gloves. You get different gloves. And There's a one time on the ship you can put a helmet on. That's weird in VR. That's like a helmet and it's like kind of in your peripheral vision a bit. You put the helmet on. Uh-uh, I don't know. There's a helmet you can put on it, but it, it sits on your little VR head. And it's kind of like you can see the helmet. It's weird. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Though. I didn't do that. They mentioned that the first lightsaber you get, you just walk into a room and there it is. You just pick it up. Very, very lame. Yeah. It's just like sitting in a room on a pedestal and like, yes, I'm taking this lightsaber. Do, do, do. It's one of Vader's, uh, is, is, is it one of Vader's things? One of his little command posts or something? Whatever. Something like that. Mustafar, you're in like his just command walk up, base. it's just sitting there like, oh, this is mine now. Well, he gives you one. Nah, you just walk into a room and it's just sitting on a freaking pedestal. No, the very first one. It's just sitting, it's just sitting in a room. Because Vader gives it to you. Because you go into and he wants to train you in the ways of the Force. And he's like, this is a training room. He gives you the first one. And you lose it almost immediately after. I remember when you walk into a room, there's a, there's a, there's a lightsaber just sitting on a pedestal. And that's not that's not even the fancy one you find later. Well, yeah, the pedestal. Because he's like, this is a training room. Go to the pedestal, pick up the lightsaber. I swear. Man, I, man, I remember him talking to me about that. I remember just walking into a room and being like, I guess I, want, I guess I got a lightsaber now. Because he wants to train you to add you to his army. As soon as he realized, and try to bend you to his will. But anyway, whatever. Bah humbug. The coolest visual thing that really happens besides the game looking cool is you get these visions uh every time you interact with this the bright star and the in the credits they were called quill paintings and it basically flashes you to a solid white purgatory and then something is telling you a story and as it's telling you a story it's literally painting the world around you and Mm -hmm. it looks Beautiful. Yeah, and you're like, and standing like, again with VR, standing in it's different than just looking at a screen of something being drawn. Like something's manifesting in the physics, and they're like kind of like in front of you in a 3D painting. It's looks really cool. And it, it happened. There's about, I think, yeah, I think there's one per chapter, and they they out they get progressively more cool. Because like you, you like look down at your feet, you kind of like flowing in the purgatory, and then the, the streaks come under your feet, and it's slowly the the full. 360 view of your of your field becomes colored and is telling us the, the story it's really really cool don't oh, yeah. think I have too yeah. much more because like you said it's very short it's very short and I said I would say uh, I did enjoy this for for a Star Wars thing because just the gameplay and stuff like that was fine I didn't really care about what the what Vader was doing because I knew it wasn't going to come of anything because it can't um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would I don't know what else they can do to make, if they were to try to make more of these, I don't know what else you would really, I don't know why you would make more of these because you do everything, you, uh, uh, you know, besides shoot force lightning or anything like that because you're a good guy. But, I mean, that was, it was fine. I played all three episodes. I beat it. And I don't have no reason to, I won't turn it back on to like lightsaber anybody. I don't have no reason to do that. But uh, I enjoyed what I, the little time I spent with it. I did, I did episode uh, two and three together, back to back, because it's short. I did all three over in the course of a day. It's like, did one thing, took a break, walked my dogs, so I you know, rested my eyes. I did all three over the course of like a day, like right after lunch or something. I may have did episode one, took lunch, episode two, and then like right by the time I was done with everything, like episode three was like right as dinner was, go cook dinner right after I did three. But in we was this free or did we buy these? I bought this literally on May the fourth. It was a oh they were the, super the cheap. whole the whole trilogy for like fifteen dollars or less or something like that. And just bought it on Oculus. I figured we'd like it, and eventually you know if other people we want have to, friends over to try it out and yeah, play, play it. it. It's a it's a good we need easy, friends. It's so. a good easy VR thing to just put people into. And most people feel about the same way we do. I I, kinda, I always look at the reviews and stuff to see if like we're like on the outliers. 
but genuinely the, these were it was they were middling like sixes and sevens and stuff like that everyone praised uh the story and interactability mm-hmm. but then would go on to say that the actual mechanics of the game weren't very deep it was very shallow game mechanically it's shallow because star wars is shallow. exactly yeah but they weren't <laughs> trying to see star wars but they like the story is great but the gameplay is a little weak I'm like, but I mean, you get to reflect blast. You get, like you said, like you could literally force pull a blaster. Like you got to feel like a Jedi. Yeah. Force pull a blaster. <clears at throat> More you. than that, I understand a Jedi force pull a blaster to their hand and shoot at people. No, because they got to use the lightsaber. They can, they can only use lightsabers. But this guy was a smuggler. He wasn't a Jedi, so he could shoot blasters. Yeah. But uh, that's that's it. I I'm uh I'm Dunskis. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Likewise. Huh? Yeah, anything else you want to talk about? We done with this. I think we're done. I think I've be our only, only Star Wars episode. Uh, maybe, maybe Blake Pop might do another one for Survivor at some point when the format will be changed into just one game per episode. Blake might do a Survivor episode where I'll just sit here and twiddle my thumbs as he goes through Survivor in a more detailed manner. Maybe I might in a not year do that from, in a year from now. Yeah. Uh, all right. With that, I'm gonna wrap things up. I guess like like we normally do. I want to thank. Uh, Jared and the guys of Emerge for letting us have the song Letting Go for our intro. It's the best part of the podcast. No shame in that. I want to thank Devious Pixel for providing the art for this podcast. We have a brand new piece of art coming up for episode 100. It'll be our new art for the podcast. In general, we're letting, he's going to cut a little, folks are supposed to let him cut a little bit more loose. We had a pretty fine point of what we wanted last time for the original art. But uh, we're good. We gave him like some, we gave him some like some loose details, yeah. and kind of let him have a have go go kind of free crazy with it. Cause that's what we did with the co-op endeavors art. Is more more Maladin in there than than us to kind of have a good time with it. So we're hoping something really cool coming up on that. I want to thank Brian for sticking with us and editing the podcast stuff like that for us. He's he just does that of the niceness himself. You know he's not getting paid or anything. If we ever get make money on the podcast, I'd pay him. But you know can't count on that. Can't count on that with podcasts. So thank you, Brian. Uh, and the last thing I say is come to our stream. Like mentioned earlier, come to our streams. Come hang out. With, come hang out with us in the streams. We talk about other games. We talk about TV, movies. We just talk about general nerd stuff while we're doing other stuff in games. Uh, our games don't always. Some of the games we're playing don't always require our full attention. We're playing Zombie Army right now. Uh, our next session next week should be wrapping it up. Probably we have maybe have one more session of Zombie Army. And then uh, we'll be moving on to we think maybe Wo Long and the is it Fallen Dynasty or something like that. It's a, a Souls like I think so. Uh, a Souls like game where we all had to. Um, we'll talk about it more when we get around to it. But we all had to beat the first boss before we could play co op, which we all managed to do, mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's that coming up after uh, one or one or two more sessions of Zombie Army, depending on how Zombie Army goes. We're just shooting zombies and talking about other stuff. So come hang out with that and uh, t- you know take part in that, and then you can uh, enjoy more of the. We'll do co-op endeavors episodes. Uh, we're going to start and we're announcing those a little different, a little differently too when those are going to start coming out. Um, but other than that, that's all I got. So. Let Blake wrap things up here. Come come hang out for the podcast streams. Just a little bit of self-promotion on my part. I have a uh, short story on Amazon Kindle called They Come This Night. Links will be in the show notes, or you can just type that name in. It's um, free if you're on Kindle Unlimited. If you're not, it's just a buck, just a single dollar. And I am a dirty, dirty girl, and I need as many dollars as I can get. Uh, just feel free on the short story just to keep it relevant you know please rate it and review it and all that fun stuff that's pretty cool keep me in the algorithm and we have a brother podcast called action the movie podcast with myself and my good our good buddy steve 
and we take turns semi-surprising one another with a movie. And we don't, you know, we do not discuss it at all, text message or whatnot, until we actually record the episodes that our, our thoughts don't influence the other ones. And you get to hear our first actual talking and discussion of them. Uh, this month, because it is Halloween, we're doing two horror movies back to back. And uh, we announced the the first one on the last episode. And we'll hope we'll have enough time to get out both episodes this month. It'd be a little hard for Drew with the editing because he's the editor on that one. Yeah, those, those podcasts are two and a half plus hours normally. We, there's a lot to talk about. We, yeah. you know, talk about favorite scenes and actors, directors, dive a little bit into each person's little, you know, palette of work. And then we talk about favorite scenes and so on and so forth. And unlike Pod, the po- podcast, two guys who absolutely love movies. It's yeah. debatable. Blake might like movies more than video games. It depends. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're more easily digestible. Yeah. Like I said, I could, I could. Edit. Sometimes I'd rather watch a two-hour movie than play a thirty-hour video game. You're like, ah, well, that's, Star that's, Wars. That's a different time investment. <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, um, I think I'm done. You have any? Uh, you're yeah. done. Come to the streams. Yeah. Yes. Definitely follow us on Twitch.tv forward slash two smoke controllers. <laughs> Sorry, I've got the name of our thing. Um, with that said, uh, I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night.